Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to come together to, once again to worship. Now we pray that you would bless the proclamation of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text from today comes from the seventh chapter, according to the Gospel of St. Luke. We'll be uh, studying verses 31, 36 down through verse 50, but I want to just read as this text, verse uh, 48 and 49. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And then verse 50, then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I want to speak today from the subject, from the story of a sinful woman, what really matters. From the story of a sinful woman, what really matters. In today's scripture lesson, Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus to his home for a meal. A woman in the city, identified only as a sinner, knew that Jesus was at Simon's house, so she went there with the alabaster vial, a bottle, a flask of fragrant oil. She stood at the feet of Jesus, weeping, then washing the feet of Jesus with her hair, and, and with her tears and drying them with her hair. She then kissed the feet of Jesus and anointed them with a sweet-smelling fragrance of this oil. Simon the host is watching the, the whole event and obviously is infuriated by what's going on. So he, he says to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, wouldn't know what manner of woman this is who's touching him. For she is a sinner. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. There was a certain creditor who had two people owing him money. One person owed him 500 pieces of silver and the other owed him 50 pieces of silver. But neither of his debtors could pay him, so the man graciously dropped the debt for both people. So Jesus then says, Simon, tell me which of these two people do you suppose will love him the most? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he counseled the largest debt Jesus would love him the most. Jesus said, you have rightly judged. And at that point, Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. In other words, Simon, you invited me here for a meal, so I came, I entered your house, but you gave me no water for my feet. Water for the feet was a customary courtesy, Simon, but you, you missed it. However, this woman has washed my feet. This woman has washed my feet with her tears, and she's wiped my feet with her hair. But Simon you missed it. Jesus continued, you gave me no kiss. A kiss bestowed upon a guest was a customary gesture of welcoming the guest or of acceptance of the guest. But again, Jesus implies, Simon, you missed it. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. Jesus continues, you did not anoint my head 
with all. Anointing one's head with all was a customary token of honor. Simon, again, you, you missed it. You failed to honor the King of kings and Lord of lords. But this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Now upon hearing these words of Jesus, Simon and his guests began saying to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus then says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now there are two matters and one message from this woman's story that will serve to strengthen our journey if we take them to heart and if we apply them to our, our lives. Let's examine the text. First, there's the matter of the sinners. Notice the verses identifying the woman as a sinner. No doubt about it, she's a sinner. Verse 37 says, And behold, a woman from the city, underscore, who was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Then verse 39b states, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. No doubt about it, this woman is a bona fide, certified, verified sinner. No doubt about it. This woman is a notorious sinner. And although the nature of her sin or sins not revealed in the text, the magnitude of her sinful behavior is gauged by the resentment held against her by Simon, who was appalled that she even touched the feet of Jesus and even more upset that Jesus did not rebuff her. You see, this woman is a sinner. And the whole city, including herself, knows that she's a sinner. But the irony of this story, the irony of this situation, is that this woman is not the only sinner in the house. She's not the only sinner in the house. Perhaps she understands that, but there are other sinners in the house as well, namely Simon and his friends. In fact, they are just as guilty of sin as the woman. But the tragedy is they don't see it. Simon is a Pharisee. Being a Pharisee makes him a member of the elite religious order. Being a member of this religious order with all of his perks and with all of his privileges has blinded Simon to the sin in his own life. Sin such as pride in Simon's life. Sin such as prejudice in Simon's life. Life sin such as religious supremacy in Simon's life, sin such 
just to name a few, are all in Simon's life, but he doesn't see it. In his mind, in his mind, he he's all right. In his mind, he's uptight. In his mind, he's clean and out of sight. He missed it. He doesn't see it. His elevated opinion of himself would be equivalent to that of a Pharisee who went to the temple along with a tax collector one day to, to pray. And this Pharisee prayed in Luke 18 verses 10 and 11 concerning himself. Listen carefully to the order of his prayer. This Pharisee stood boldly, arrogantly, confidently, proudly and said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I thank you that I'm not like other men who are extortioners, unjust, committers of adultery. And Lord, I'm not even like this tax collector. And I thank you for that. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Well, to be sure, Simon was a sinner. But he's blind to his own shortcomings while enthusiastically pointing out the shortcomings of this one. Well, one of the challenges of the church, as well as for individual followers of Jesus Christ, is that we don't become trapped, fall victim to the art of singling out the wrongs in others while completely ignoring the wrongs in our own lives. That's not to say that we are not to check external sins, but it is to say that we have an obligation to begin by checking our own internal sins. It is to say that we are obligated to Check ourselves first. We will be wise to pray the words of King David in Psalm 139, 23 and 24. David prayed, search me, O God. David asked God to take a look at me. Look at my life. Look at my heart. Look at my mind. Search me. Oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And if you see any wickedness in me, Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. David said, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and, and see if there is any wicked." way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Simon was eager to check the woman's sin, yet had no interest in dealing with his own. Second, there's the matter of the Savior. In order to help Simon see the woman for who she really was and not for who he thought she was, Jesus tells a story in verses 41 and 42. The story is about a man who had loaned money to two people. To one person, again, he loaned 500 denarii, which was 
equivalent to 500 pieces of silver, and to the other, he loaned 50 pieces. Neither of the people could pay back the debt, so, so the man graciously canceled the debt for both parties, and then Jesus asked him, well, who would love him more? And Simon answered, I suppose the one who forgave more. Jesus said to him, you're right. Then Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Now what Jesus was about to do here was a commonplace in that culture. It was commonplace in that culture. When he asked Simon this question, Simon knew exactly what was coming. You see, he used the phrase, do you see, to set Simon up for a much deeper look into this woman's life. With the words, do you see, Jesus was about to, to, to guide Simon through a process of seeing this woman's life at a much deeper letter, level than his physical eyes could see. In other words, Jesus is calling Simon to look at the woman with his mind. Look at the woman with his emotions. Jesus is calling Simon to look at the woman with his discernment Look at the woman with his heart, not just his eyes, his physical eyes, and then he will be able to answer the question appropriately, do you see this woman? My dear friend and pastoral colleague, Dr. Kenneth Stevens, filmed the brief synopsis of his life entitled, Can You See Me? In this synopsis, Pastor Stevens challenges viewers to look at his life not only with their eyes, not only with their physical eyes. He's challenging people not to just stop at who he is by looking through their physical eyes and seeing what they see. He's challenging people to look at him with their hearts with their minds, with their emotions, with discernment. And in so doing, they will see him as a loving father, grandfather, pastor, retired army, non-commissioned officer, and university professor. You see, the challenge to the church now more than ever is to move beyond shallow, superficial, and surface looking at people and judging people. The challenge for us is to get to the place where we see people at a deeper level. That is, to get to the place where we see people through the lenses of our hearts, the lenses of our minds. We take time to get to see people through the lenses of our emotions and the lenses of our discernment. That's the challenge of the church. When we do, we'll be much more effective in our relationships in the church and outside of the church. Now that Simon is looking at the woman with his mind, 
and with his heart and with his emotions and with his discernment, instead of just looking at her with his eyes, Jesus takes him on a guided tour of who this woman really is. But Jesus had to get him there first because initially he was looking at his uh, through his physical eyes, he was looking at what he saw in her, but now he's ready to go on a guided tour. He's ready to go on a guided tour of who this woman really is. Watch the tour. Jesus said, Simon, I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I, I came in, Simon. I want you to see her for who she really is. This woman has not ceased to kiss my feet from the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with all Assignment, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, Simon, her sins, which are many, I'll give you that, her sins, there are a multitude of sins, Simon. I grant you that. I'm not excusing the fact that she is a, a sinner, but I'm telling you that her sins, which are many, are forgiven for she love much but to whom little is given the same loves much then in verse 48 Jesus says to the woman turning his attention away from Simon now he focuses on the woman he's talking to the woman he's making eye contact with the woman she knows that Jesus knows more about her than her sinful past she knows that Jesus cares about her as a person she knows that Jesus is looking at her through the eyes of his heart his emotion his intellect and his Discernment. He says to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Jesus took Simon through a guided tour of a sinful woman's humble confession of her sins, as well as a beautiful display of her acceptance of Jesus as her personal Savior and Lord. The symbolism is there. She went through all of it without speaking a single Word And Jesus saw it, and so did Simon. You see, this message of our Savior, of our Savior Jesus Christ, is just as fresh and relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago at Simon's house. Jesus still receives sinners from every walk of life into the family of God. He received broken people. Jesus receives battered people. Jesus receives bruised people. Jesus receives cast out, cast downs, and castaways. Jesus 
saves people who have done the unthinkable like this woman, the unmentionable like this woman, and even the unbelievable as this woman. He saves the crooks, the cheats, and those with the checkered pad. That means there's room at the cross for you. Although millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. That's the message of our Savior. It was relevant for the woman and it's relevant for us. Third, there's the message to the saints. A message to those who trust in Jesus. Notice verse 50 of the text. Then Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In his closing remarks, Jesus gives a twofold message to the woman. First he said, your faith has saved you. You know what he said to the woman? He said to her that the faith she placed in him as Savior and Lord has saved her. He said to her, it's, it's not about your works at Simon's house. They, they were all good, but they were mere indications of your faith. It was not the washing of my feet and to drive them with your hair that saved you. Those things were just indicators of your love for me. It was not the kissing and anointing of my feet, Jesus said, with the fragrant oil that, that saved you. It was your place and your trust in me. Those things were just in recognition of the faith that you have. In me, So remember, your faith has saved you. You see, it was the faith in Jesus that saved the world, that saved this sinful woman, that has always been the message of, always been the message to the saints, to the church, to those who would follow Jesus. Second, Jesus said, go in peace. The word peace in verse 15 means to have a calmness. It's kind of a military term. It means to be at, be at ease, to, to relax. Peace here in this text means having tranquility of soul. Peace means having a comfort of heart. Knowing that come what may, your life is now secure in the powerful, all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present Holy God who will deliver you, who will guide you, who will protect you, and who will provide for you. So Jesus says to the woman, woman, go in peace. Well, that was good news for the woman in the text. And it's good news for us today. It's good news for us. Because going peace from the lips of Jesus 
It's good news as we make our way through unprecedented times. Go in peace from the lips of Jesus is good news as we watch self-reliant power brokers try in vain to gain control over the trials, the troubles, and turbulence of the world. Oh, how sweet it is. How common it is. How reassuring it is. As the world wallows in chaos. As the world wallows in conflict. As the world is drowning in confusion. Oh, how sweet it is. Oh, how good it is to hear the words of Jesus travel down the corridors of time through the ears of a sinful woman who came to know him all the way to our ears of the 21st century church. How sweet it is to hear Jesus say to his church, to the members of Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church, to his people all over the world, how sweet it is to hear Jesus say to his followers, to his beloved, go in peace. Well, as the story goes, the sinful woman went in peace. She was saved. That's the sinful woman's story. And that's what really matters. If you never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, what really matters is that you come into a saving relationship with him. What really matters beyond what you hear on the news, what you see or what you read, is that you have the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, God in your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the only way to have it is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've never come into a relationship with Christ today, we invite you to do so at this moment. You might want to pray something like this. Father, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm inviting Jesus to come into my life and save me. In Jesus' precious name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, we welcome you to the family of God and encourage you to find a Bible-believing church virtually, if necessary, where you can worship. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May he grant you his peace in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.